Greetings, accountants and financial planners. Welcome to In The Slipstream FM, the podcast designed to help you run a better business. I'm Scott Charlton from Slipstream Group, and I'm really looking forward to delivering this episode to you today. My guest lives, eats and breathes professional service firms and financial planning businesses in particular. He's a planner for sure, as you'll discover, but intriguingly, he's not a financial planner as such. He's never worked in a financial planning business, never started one, and he doesn't have to do financial planning CPD. (laughs) And yet his company, as you'll hear, has invested in 50 financial planning firms and has appetite for more. It promises to be a fascinating discussion. Then, after the main interview is finished, stay around because I'm going to tell you about a slipstream initiative that's been four years in the making. Let's get started. Now here's some great ideas for your firm where we're all about success on your terms. Get the knowledge, the tools and insights from special guests. Everything you need to become your very best. So come and build the business of your dreams. Settle in and listen now to In The Slipstream. And welcome back. My guest today is Richard Hernan from Broadleaf Financial Group. A commercial accountant by background, Richard is the founder and managing director of a business which takes equity in financial planning firms. Right from the start, Richard ticked a number of this coach's boxes. He's got an interesting client niche. He left a well-paid job to start up the business. And he's got a big, bold personal mission, as you'll discover. I started the interview by asking Richard to define his business in a nutshell. Broadleaf as a business, we we invest in financial planning businesses nationally. We do that as a minority um, and, and we do that in support of the owner's aspirations. Um, we, we help them with their aspiration and in return, we participate in the profits of those businesses. Is that one okay. sentence, Scott? Yeah, it's, no, it's, that's it's that, that, that in terms of what we do. Fantastic. All right. So, Richard, what is the story about your business name? And, and particularly, if you wouldn't mind sort of telling us a little bit about how the logo came to be. Yeah, sure. I think anyone who's started a business, the founder of a business, has gone through that journey of coming, you know, trying to name it other than their, their own name. Uh, so I went through that typical thing uh, with a marketing agent, agency rather, and and Broadleaf is a, a form of bamboo. So it's a um, it's a metaphor um, which really resonated with me. If, um, so the story of bamboo is it takes two or three years to break the surface, and once it does break the surface, it's the fastest growing wood. You can you can bend it, but you can't break it, which talks about resilience. Um, and you know, so so those those elements of the metaphor I thought summed up you know what we want to be as a business, a resilient business, a fast growing business. Um, the, the the quip from a few people as we've described this, um, one one came out and said it's a it's like a weed, you can't get rid of it. You know, once it's in your garden, and you know, in terms of bamboo, and and you know, like like all these things, we try and turn it into a positive. We said, yeah, that, that's the thing around just sticking to what we do. You know, you can't. I'd like to think the positive of not really being able to get rid of us, but uh, it's a case of you know we're there for the long term. Um, so if, if that's a positive of a weed, that's what it is. Um, in oh, yeah, terms, fantastic. sorry the and you you asked about the the logo as well. So mm. the logo wasn't quite as important as the metaphor itself, but the the little bit that resonated for me in that logo was the open ended piece. It's a, so it's a B for broadleaf, um, but then you, you look at the symbol as it goes up. It's that um, you know we're we're open ended. Uh, we're we're um, building a forever business. We're investing in what we you know keep saying are forever businesses. So that's that open-ended nature. We don't have you know the five to seven year horizon that is is typical in sort of private equity or or sort of aggregation, which which we're not. Yeah. Well, I got more than I bargained for there. That's that's <laughs> a fabulous answer for for both the business name and and the logo. So thanks very much for that. I I, I really appreciate the thought uh, that's gone in in behind it. And as you've described, it sounds totally appropriate so uh, well done 
Um, so, Richard, would you mind explaining, like, why you're investing in professional services firms? Yeah, um, like most of my stories, they're, they're long stories, but I'll try and keep it short. The professional services side of it came from you know, the, the long version. I was looking to invest in um, in businesses um, and, and and help them grow. I built a model around Broadleaf, um, which is how you bring together a syndicate of investors. And and as I as I got into it, it started from I'm passionate about business. But as I dive further into that, it was about service businesses. How can you help? How can you make an impact on people? Uh, and and as I got further into that, there was really education and financial services were the two areas which really resonated for me. And and I'm a trained accountant. That's where I came from. So I, you know, in in terms of financial services, was was where it you know again I, I was sort of pushed or felt felt the push down that that path. Uh, and and as, as a business owner entrepreneur, it, it just got stronger and stronger. You know, when you look at the the privilege of being able to 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 help people with their life savings. So in in the financial planning space, rather as I say, I'm a trained accountant. Mm-hmm. But I'm, we're investing in financial planning focused businesses, and, and the impact you can have, I think, is 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 almost second to none. Probably after health, that you know, being able to look after, as I say, the life savings of, um, of of so many people, you know, it, it blows me away that I think as of today, you know, we're looking after a couple of billion dollars of the life savings of you know thousands of people, um, you know, and that's that's probably again a long answer, Scott, to your question, but but that's. Yeah, you know, that they're the facts of why you know why for me it's important to to look at professional services and and be part of that. Wow. Okay. That's that's uh, yeah, really admirable. I I, I like where you're coming from. Uh, perhaps you've half answered my question already, but l- looking at at your CV, Richard, you know you had a stellar career before Broadleaf came along. Uh, so yeah, a- a- any sort of particular catalyst for for taking a bit of a pivot and, and going into this area? Yeah, it's a pretty massive pivot, to be, to be honest. And um, yeah, so very kind of you to say a stellar career. Um, yeah, so, you know, my career, as I say, I was trained as an accountant. Um, I would just, and, and before that, you know, I went into, into sports and just trying to be the best I can be. So when when I was working into, in the corporate space, it was about, well, how can I be around um, people and businesses where I can learn the most, and and so the stellar element, maybe that was some of the names on my CV. So, you know, in the accounting space, I, I worked for EY's and Ernst and Young, um, who I guess is one of the better firms in that space. Sure. When I went to the UK, I uh, worked in the pharmaceutical space and and worked for Glaxo Smith Klein, who were one of the leaders in there. And 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 when I came back to Australia, I worked for Rio Tinto, which uh-huh. um, all of these things. It, Someone there was a Steve Jobs interview where he said things only make sense when you look back, you know, in yes. running the dots. But for me, through university and through the early stages and and even later stages of the corporate career, I I always wanted to run my own business, be you know, have an idea, build something, uh, which you know people say that's the entrepreneurial element that you've either got it or you, or you haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was always doing that in in my part in my part time spare time. You know, outside of work, I was I was trying to be the best I could be in my yes. job, but it really was a job. As as much as you know, I, I was very fortunate to be around great people, learn a hell of a lot, and and you know, back to this stellar thing. You know, outside looking in, I got got to fly you know in the pointy end of the plane and do some amazing stuff. But it r- really wasn't what I wanted to be doing. It was delaying what I wanted to get to, which was how do how do you build something really great that you're proud of? You know, how do you do something that your grandkids and you know kids and grandkids are going to you know be proud of as well, and and I'll probably you know overemphasize the word proud as I go through. But yes, you know I, I was I was happy enough in my corporate role, and um, but I wasn't super proud of what I was doing. It wasn't the thing that there was something missing. So the the pivot point was you know an accumulation of years of of that to go well. If I don't if I don't do something different now, when am I going to do something different? Uh huh. And I had a few cracks at jumping out of that and, and, and starting something. And I, I finally did that. And I don't, I don't think, you know, when you, you hear about sporting teams and movies and whatever, and there's there's no one moment where someone goes, aha, that's that's it. It was an accumulation of stuff. Yep. And if I was to point back to one moment, I had a, you know, I'm probably a deeper thinker than most, um, uh, sort of, you know, sort of ruminate on things. And and I one day I, I recall writing, it was almost like a dear diary thing, you know, but it, 
being a trade accountant, I um, it was a spreadsheet, as you probably <laughs> love that stuff. And, and in there, it was kind of like, what what is it I really want to do? What do I enjoy? What don't I enjoy? And, and I came up with this. There was a line at the top, and I can you know, happy to share it with you or whoever else. But at the top, it was about how do I have a material impact on on a million lives, a material positive impact on a million lives. And then it broke down into you know, be of great service, family. There was there's about five or six different elements of it. Um, anyway, <laughs> another long story for you. But but that was the catalyst to then go. Okay, how do I how do I create a vessel to enable me to achieve the things that I want to achieve and have the impact on the people around me and my family and and all those sorts of things, and and that's how I moved from you know corporate to to really um, the entre- more entrepreneurial space and and creating something that you know as 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 we niche down probably doesn't really exist anywhere else in terms of the specifics of how we've how we've done our model. And I say we, Dean Gilkerson is my business partner in this. And you know, so I had an idea of what I wanted to do. And then the two of us together then put that sort of model into financial planning. And, you know, and I'd like to say it was an overnight success, but we've been, you know, at it for well, Dean and I six years, me jumping out of the corporate space seven or eight years. So, you know, things don't things don't often happen as quick as you'd want, or certainly as quick as I'd want. Wow. Okay. Well, I um, I've been sort of analysing your answer through through a, a number of different levels, and one is very personal, Richard, in that a, a lot of what you've described mirrors the development of Slipstream Coaching, uh, now Slipstream Group, uh, and and a similar time frame and and a lot of similar motivations. So, uh, yeah. Well done, you. Fantastic. Um, now we've spoken about financial planning. Uh, is it just financial planning or, or accounting firms as well, or potentially as well? Yeah, just financial planning firms. So we okay. really and, and really important that we how do we differentiate ourselves in in what we're doing? So yep. we really think our model works across professional services and and in many other industries. But if we're trying to do everything, we're not doing anything. So yep. so we really wanted to focus on financial planning led businesses and and that and really importantly again we we focus on the owner's aspiration so we'll we'll invest in financial planning led businesses led by the types of people that we're happy to be in the room with if down the track they decide that their business is best served by also doing accounting or something else yes that's their aspiration and where we support that yes we we're not our strategy isn't to build multi-disciplined um super firms those We think that's a great strategy and other businesses are doing that really well, but our strategy is financial planning led. And and a part of that is around something that's near and dear to your heart around the referrals between accounts and financial planners, referrals for you know, your mortgage brokers, your lawyers, your general insurers, et cetera. That if we're got a foot half in another camp, who are we? So that's, again, a long answer to your question, Scott, but that's it. Yeah, no, I'm loving this. Uh, if each of your answers uh, for the rest of the questions is is as quality as that, Richard, you can you can keep taking as long as you like. <laughs> so, Richard, what then are the solutions that you provide to practitioners? Yeah, so number number one is to be a teammate to to okay. actually, you know, so we people think of us as a capital provider, but you know that's that's one of many things, and you know anyone can provide capital. Um, many businesses would provide it in in a much better way than than what we do. But our you know fundamentally our difference is that we're we're not parental, we're not a subordinate, we're a teammate to a business. Yep. And when we when we get involved straight away, that business is is more transactable, if you like. That's we we help that business owner take a business that on on their balance sheet, personal balance sheet, it looks like they've got you know something that's worth a lot there. But really, most people think binary that they've either got to sell the business to realise some value from it, yep. or they just carry on with it as a illiquid asset. As, as yep. soon as we're on the register, there's liquidity there. Um, so we we help on that side, and then we th- we think there's probably more than fifty, call them verticals or call, call them areas of a business that any business owner in a financial planning um, space needs or thinks about, or you know anywhere from their legals and shareholder agreements, to their marketing, to their investment philosophy, whatever it is. Um, it, it's our business to be out there talking to people, to have an understanding of what what are the two or three um, two or three options in each of those spaces 
and and have done the thinking around it to be of great value from a, and we talk about like air traffic control where we're okay. not in there being the co we're not in there replacing a slipstream coach we're not in there doing the doing we're helping them work on the business so yep. we've got we've got a lean team who are across whatever you know everyday learning and understanding and talking to people to be able to bring whatever solutions they're looking for and and you hear me repeat and repeat and repeat this it's what they're looking for it's their yep. aspiration it's yep. the you know and we think we're in a unique space here where our whole business is built around being a teammate and yep. and helping support the aspiration of that owner which is you know I, I haven't seen that anywhere else and that's what we're you know we're building and trying to continue to build great so what then are the qualities that you look for in the practitioners running the firms that you invest in yeah in, in the very early days i had it as simple as the patrick lencioni book um the ultimate team player and in there it talks about humble hungry smart ah yes and that was the framework which we'd say okay do we would we want to be in the room with these people if if this wasn't work and and this can come back to a deeper thing around integrated life as well we get a choice both dean and i have done the work over the years to have a choice of what we want to do and and who we want to be around so so we're looking for those people that are humble hungry smart um and i, I can go deeper into what that actually means um but yeah we don't want to be around people who are the reverse of that um and and that's you know as simple as it is we when i meet someone in those first five or ten seconds i can kind of tick that off and um to an extent obviously we've got to yep. go deeper and do a lot more we've got frameworks and tools around our due diligence um, yep. but that's that's kind of as simple as it is great okay well i'll put a reference to that excellent book in the show notes uh to this podcast so when is the best time for such a practice to knock on the door of broadleaf yeah so i think the best time is when someone's got a succession need and that's probably the, and, and people automatically then think they're look, someone's looking to retire. Well, that, that's part of it. So the older owner looking to retire or looking for some support, that's that's one time. Another time is when you've got the, you, you know, you feel like the weight of the world's on your shoulders. You're running a great business, but you're the one making all the decisions and you'd like a teammate yep. in that in that business helping you to do that. That's, that's another key time where people knock on our door. Yep. And, and the third one is the next gen leaders. So that sort of high potential 30-something, 40-something um, person who wa- wants to be an owner of a business, but they've you know, got a mortgage and kids and, and they don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars available to be able to invest in to a firm. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the three main times when someone could come, you know, would often come knocking on our door. Great. Okay. So post-investing in a professional practice, what role does Broadleaf play and, and or what influence do you like to have? Yeah. Um, so once we've invested, and, and part of the investment process, we because we we go partway, once we've gone, built a relationship with the business before we've even invested, we're already looking at what are we doing afterwards. So as part, yes. of, our, as part of our due diligence, we've got a framework around the leadership and um, cultural due diligence. And, yes. and we... So we do a qualitative interview with each of the leaders. We do surveys and all this sort of stuff, which really gives us a picture, gives us a picture is an important part of it. But also that playing back, it's like consulting 101. You know, people tell you what tell you tell you their thoughts and you play that back back to them. But and they're sort of half joke to that, but the serious part of it is after we've invested, we play that back, we identify what are the things we can actually help with. Yes. Um, and, and then we go about as a with a previous sort of answer to the question, there's you know, at least 50 areas that we've identified that we might be able to help in. Um, and we start with what, what is it that you need? What 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 do you want? How can we help? Um, that's the bit where we're identifying stuff. The, the things that we always do. So we'll we'll help them with implementing a shareholder agreement, which most, yeah. you, you would have seen many of the businesses or many, many businesses and very few have anything in place. And yep. probably you will have something of quality in place. So, yeah. how do we understand the vision for the business? So, the lead, the owners of the business, they have the right to to define the vision. Where are they going? But I've never seen anyone actually put that into a shareholder agreement. We we oh. help we help do that. We we run oh. workshops and do all those sorts of things. Um, and then we've got a, a program which we call Serve, which is how do we be of service to the business? How can we help? I've, 
which I duplicate what I'm saying before, we've identified the areas that they want and need help in, and then we can identify practitioners if, if required. We can provide, if it's internal sort of intellectual property or knowledge that we've got, we, we share those things. Um, but it just it comes back to it's custom for each business and it evolves and builds and, and, and we collectively bring that together. Wow. Okay. Great. So when it comes to actually engaging with, with Broadleaf or, or, or thinking about it, um, what would you say to practitioners to alleviate their fear of the unknown? Yeah. So I would firstly say it's where we don't acquire businesses. We're not in the M&A game, if, if you like. We're not a private equity business. We're not an aggregator. Um, we're not any of those things. And yeah. that's the very first thing that I have to jump over when I'm speaking to anyone. And and, and our way around it was a very natural thing, which is let's just try and help as many people as we can. And and we've got lots of different things that we, you know, Dean and I think anyway, of value to share with people. And it's not a conversation about will you sell your business to us? Will we buy it off you? Because mm-hmm. I, in the early days, it was almost like a covert thing where people would go, well, don't tell my staff that we're talking to you because yes. you know, then they're going to think we're selling the whole business. Yeah. You know, our business model is to invest as a minority in your yes. business. You know, yes. Us being involved gives them, a better, in our opinion, a much better career path. It mm. provides greater resilience. Yeah. Um, you know, we're helping, not interfering in your business. There's And, and we always... Every day we're answering questions around. Oh, okay, so you know, are you going to change our investment philosophy to be more <laughs> positive? You know, are you going to? How are you going to clip the ticket to make more revenue and so forth? Yeah. So well, we if we help you be a great business and we share in your profits, we make profits within our business. You know, it's yeah, very simple. And and I, what I hope every professional service business and is, is hope you know will hopefully one day do the same thing would be a great. Um, but yeah, so. That discussion alleviates the concern, yep. and I've never had to date, touch wood, I've never had a discussion with someone who has then become concerned. Yeah. Yes, you know, to your point, how do we get in front of people to to alleviate that? And and our our version of it is we just spread the word to who we call our you know our business development people nationally. Yeah, yep. to say here's what we do, here's how we go about it, yep. and and if that resonates with people, you know, they will speak with us and. Hopefully, won't be concerned, and and you know, even more importantly, that the team members within their business, we don't want them to be concerned. And, and yes, the funny story of one of the first investments we made, and and the owner of the business is, is Richard. Even though, no matter what I say, you know, the owner says, or or what I say, and however much we try and alleviate their concerns, they're still thinking on day one that you're, you know, it's like some Hollywood movie, you're going to come in with some shiny suit and, and shiny shoes. Yeah, and sack everyone, and yeah. <laughs> make the fruit bowl, and yeah, <laughs> you know, newspaper subscriptions or whatever it is. I mean, I guess if they've been sacked, they don't even need that anyway. But yeah, yeah, it took a long time for them to realise that we're real people. Yeah, it's not, and and anyway, it's a, another long answer for you. Yeah, good. No, it sort of sounds like a, just a healthy alignment of interests uh, is is the theme I've I've gleaned from from that. Um, so can you give me a couple of success stories where Broadleaf has invested and, and things have progressed from there? Yeah, absolutely. A um, couple quite different ones come to mind. So the, the first one was you know, a potential disaster that turned into a real, I think, a real success where we invested in a business where there was the one older owner, one younger owner, maybe 20 years younger than the older owner. So we were in our custom succession model, you know, we were working with the older owner on his aspiration to exit the business over a few years, and then we were backing in the younger, younger owner. Um, and then, re- really sadly, um, the uh, the younger owner, his son, who's only sixteen, um, was diagnosed with cancer. Which, and I want to build it up, you know, very happily, he's you know going very well now. But okay. at the time, no, no one knew. He got a call, you know, which. As, as a father of, of three boys, and I'm sure it resonates with many people, you think everything's going great and you get a phone call and he never stepped back into that business in his in his current role. Um, yeah, so, right. So, you know, in terms of excuse me, a success story, um, you know, there was horrible cancer issue there and there was another cancer issue in the same business. Um, and and over, the, over a period of time, that, that was a case of Broadleaf able to, help rally 
um, around the other owner. Yep. We were able over a period of time, and this is you know, very hard work to to provide a number of different options, um, and and we were able to recruit the option that you know, the owner and, and and we went down was to rather than merge in with another business or or do some acquisition growth to to bring in talent. Uh, we recruited a leadership team of three next generation leaders. Okay, um, you know, really happily. So the first of those became an owner last year. The second becomes an owner towards the end of this year, and then there's a third that will become an owner um, in the not too distant future. So we've helped, and in terms of the success story, we've helped, and you know, and credit goes to the people in the business who did an amazing job. Um, but we we helped recruit that whole team, bring all the different options, um, and and now the business I, I believe is far more resilient than it ever was. Yep. Um, there's a whole leadership team as opposed to a single leader and and the business throughout that continued to grow as a stellar reputation with its clients um, i think that for me anyway that's my favorite success story and yeah. and that's not about um you know revenue and profit although revenue and profit are going really well uh, and and the other one which is a complete um different story was that mid-career owner of a business who was yeah. the 100 percent owner 100 percent decision maker had a had a larger team, but felt like he was taking all the, you know, all decisions came back to him, and this is pretty <laughs> pretty common to yep. the businesses you coach, and um and and we were over able over a number of years to bring through um, two next gen leaders, so so he's now part of a a leadership team of three um, equal owners in the business, and then Broadleaf's also an owner, and, and we helped with. Um, Acquisition um, growth through acquisition there with a couple of client bases. The business has more than doubled in revenue, more than doubled in profit, and again, you know, he'll, he'll say often it's the strongest the business has ever been. But it's also even more importantly, it's maintained its it, its its shape and its culture. So, and, and we have this mantra about never more than once removed from the client. Yeah. So as, as you grow, you can have multiple levels, and some strange stuff can start to happen. We we strongly believe that you want to, the decisions are made never more than once removed from the client yeah um, but if you do some strange stuff the clients will let you know yes yeah so uh, for me that's another you know, massive success story and I can share share lots of other ones with you Scott if you want to talk all day but yeah that's I think those are a couple I would choose yeah oh they're cracking examples um conversely can you think of sort of something where you thought oh gee if only you'd spoken to us sooner yeah, yeah. One, um, probably the one that comes to mind the most was a, a near miss for us where we looked at investing in this business and and if they'd come to us a couple of years earlier, I think we would have would have ended up investing. Yes. Um, but it's a it was a, one of those cases of self sabotage, if you like. Some mm-hmm. really successful people often, and I I study a lot, read a lot of books um, and podcasts around psychology just to try and get my head around how this yep. works. But it was a yep. classic case of self-sabotage where the you know 100% owner of a business had helped um, bring a couple of next gens in yeah um, which on the face of it was perfect for us we could carry that on yeah um, but then some weird stuff happened internally where um he you know got the speed wobbles or whatever you want to describe it as and and end up taking back ownership off of those two uh-huh. people and you know basically throwing the toys and saying i started this business and Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And and as you can imagine, those next gen leaders who were the they were the reason we were investing in that business, they they walked. So yeah, um, right. You know, so the business imploded. And yeah, I mean, f- fortunately, the owner is a wealthy guy and carries on. And it's not, you know, it's not a disaster for him. But I think it is a disaster. And and yeah, it was. If we'd been involved and we'd been part of the discussions, I'd, hopefully we would have been able to avoid that happening. Um, but unfortunately, we weren't. Hmm. I I um I think that's a good example, and and just another person at the boardroom table, uh, someone who sort of like um is not in that sort of um, master servant situation. Someone who can say, look, you know, we've from our experience, blah 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 blah. Uh, I can see how yes, that 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 would have had a lot of value to to that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, changing tack a little bit, uh, Richard, uh, other than speaking on prestigious podcast programs, <laughs> um, uh, how do you source your opportunities? 
Yeah, our opportunities, this is something we spent a lot of time in the early days saying what's strategically, what's the best way for us to go about it? And what we chose to do was to build relationships with the people who who are speaking to financial planning businesses. So who's who's got that cohort of people when they're looking, they're identifying what they want or need in terms of a succession partner, a person to invest in their business, who would they be having that conversation with? So, so Dean and I then went and spoke to a whole range of different um, business development type people, um, mm-hmm. you know, a- accountants, coaches, et cetera, all around Australia, um, and, and just told the Broadleaf story. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it and how we're mm-hmm. going about it. Um, and you know, curious-minded as well to just say, well, how would you do it if you were in our, our shoes? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that seemed to resonate with a lot of people. And, and we built what we call our, you know, our, our it's a national BD network. Of, there's probably more than 200 people who they're having conversations. You know, that might be Macquarie Bank or Commonwealth or yeah. Final First Aid or anyone who's having those conversations. We want them to be aware of what it is we do. And, you know, and we're not, we're not out there paying commissions to anyone to do that. We just want to yeah. say, here's what we do. If that works for your client, yeah. you're speaking to, then please introduce them and, um, trust that we'll do the right thing. That's that's how we went about it, and and again, I think near and dear to your heart's got in terms of how you build referral networks and relationships. It's that that's how we went about it. Yeah, great. Okay, so superficially, Richard, it seems like a a, a slam dunk. You you find a, a, a firm that you see some qualities in. Uh, you invest. You're affirmed to Slipstream Group for some coaching. The value of the business increases, and uh, you know ev- everyone's a winner. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean that's, that's if if those or not if when you know when we meet businesses and and we say what are the things that add great value and we go go through a range of them. Part of that is is, is coaching and and you know Slipstream Stream as a provider of that um, is doing an amazing job and and the community that you've built. Um, I commented so I was fortunate enough to be at um, without pumping you guys up too much. We're probably going to hit that direction. Um, when when we attended Slipstream Connect recently, and Dean and I had had uh, commented about there was something different in the room. There was so for anyone who wasn't there, I think there was something two hundred eighty people. Yep. It was in, an incredible event, which had been through COVID. It, uh, you know, it sounded like start stop in terms of getting it going and 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 yep. finally there. So so that was one part. Everyone was happy to be in the room, but there was another. Um, without <laughs> without swearing, there was a uh, what is it a a lack of, of sort of the bullshit factor in the room, mm, um, mm. which is, is what we commented on. And, and I was trying, again, thinking, why is that? And and part of it, I think, was the the way that you have the the accountability partners, if you like. So, you know, 10, 10 businesses as peers yeah. in, a, in, in, a, in a group, and they share financials, they share the stories, yeah. they understand you know, what's good and bad and everything else. And, and I sort of joke a bit about when... Um, you know, people will come to us and say, oh, this business is a good business. So, well, how do you know that? Oh, they told me it was a good business. I had a yeah. they're good to have a beer with. Well, um, yeah, I, so that that doesn't uh, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't quite cut it. You know? So, um, in terms of the quality of people and the relationship that that serves, I think that was the one thing, you know, by sharing the warts and all story of how your business goes, yeah. uh, just seemed to make a, a massive impact. So, uh, yeah, yeah, like it's again a long, a long answer to your your, yeah. your question. But oh, yeah, as the business grows and and we participate in it, that's a fantastic thing. Great. What's the ratio of deals that you look at versus the deals that you actually do? Yeah, I I think you know if I think about our pipeline and and the number of through that BD network who yep. we've been introduced to, we don't we don't get introduced to every business. So sure. our ratio. Yep. Our ratio would be smaller, or I hope it's much smaller because of that. And and say yes. we looked at maybe 150 businesses, something in that order. And of of those, many of those businesses, more more so than if we didn't have that filtered list, would be um, we we wouldn't progress with. But because they're filtered, there, yep. there's, there's a much higher percentage. So I'd, I'd say say there's 150 we've looked at. We've made I think as of today about 13 investments, and that's okay. our standalone businesses and and sort of tuck-ins or, or sub-acquisitions. Yep. So, you know, so we're basically investing in about one in, in 10 out of those. Yeah, right. And as of today, but many of the businesses in that pipeline 
we believe we'll end up investing in. Yep. So so it might end up being closer to uh, one in four or one in five or something like that right. because okay. of the, the, the real tight filter that we've got. Yeah, good. Okay. So how might a firm create a lasting first impression with you? <laughs> I, I think back to my answer around the humble, hungry, smart, you know, from the, from okay. the, yep. from the people side. But then if I'm looking at the business itself, it, it's about the, uh, you know, it's about the resilience resilience and another one it's more of a buzzword if i look at the at the business is it a genuine business in terms of systems and processes is it repeatable is it resilient are, are clients really at the heart of of what's going on with those business that business how do they talk about their clients how do they talk about their the the and I'm going to use the word staff I, language is really important we use the word you know it's team and team members it's part of yeah. you know and, and and straight away when when i'm talking to people if it's the you know I'm the king of the castle, it's all about me. Yeah, that that doesn't impress. You know what impresses is where it's you know back to the the Lencioni sort of description of of the team player. Yeah, and business. You know, can the business go on without them? Are they have have they gone through that succession journey and not succession, not retirement? It's about the roles and and the clarity they have in the business to be able yep. that business can run without without them. You know, they can. Play different roles. They can bring people through. There's genuine career development. All of those things. It, it really impresses. Yeah, great. Okay. Looking at the next twelve months, how many deals would you like to complete? I, I think in our business plan, we're saying there's probably another six okay. in standalone businesses before the end of the um, the next financial year, um, and then that's that's on a journey to what we think would be a investment minority investments in about 50 businesses nationally and we we think that then has the sort of size and shape to be um invested in the majority of the population centers around australia and and we're not we're not wanting to be some big behemoth we're wanting to have the coverage to then be able when when someone comes to broadleaf and says oh you know there's a there's a great client here looking for a home can you find the home that matches by geography by investment philosophy, by culture and yep. we think that's the sort of size and shape that makes sense to us, and 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 again to be never more than once removed as a decision maker. Yeah. Great. Okay. Do you have an endless supply of uh, capital, or if not, where where do you get your funding from? Yeah, that's a very good question. So, our I'd say we do have infinite capital because of the way our business is is structured. So we mm-hmm. very deliberately, rather than take on uh, you know a single private equity source or a corporate, we, we build a wide shareholder base. And the, mm-hmm. the reason for doing that was because we want to build a forever business. We don't want to have um, a shareholder decide that because they want to exit the business, now we need to sell the business or now we need to list the business. So so as, as of today, we have, I think, 45 shareholders, uh, oh. uh, about 18 of those. So so more than a third of those are people who who own or are team members within um, within the Broadleaf investment and businesses so we're able if we need when we need more capital we raise from our existing shareholder base or new shareholders yep. and and in that regard as long as we're doing a quality job and 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 people can see there's there's going to be a, you know, a a return for the risk that they're they're making um we i th- say where well, it's infinite capital um oh okay that's it so so, Richard, how might a listener find out more uh, about Broadleaf, or indeed do do some due diligence on you? Yeah, so just just get in touch. So, uh, okay, through my through my email, through LinkedIn, um, speak to people that we've been in business with, speak to people yep. we're connected with. Um, that that'd be the best way. And, and so we're we're not trying to be a big behemoth. We're trying to be a very very personal business. So it's face-to-face, have a discussion, um, have a Zoom call, That's and that's how we go about it. Nice. Okay. Well, I'll put all the contact details in the show notes so people can, can look you up. Great. Okay. Well, I've, I've come to the end of the questions, but uh, like I've really been leaning in on on, um, on your answers, Richard, and I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, but before I let you go, we're going to uh, indulge in the Slipstream Rapid Fire Dozen, uh, and the rules are that there are five seconds per question. So, are, are you ready? Well, I am ready. Excellent. Apple or Android phone? Apple. Do you prefer winter or summer? Summer. I'm a cricket fan, so definitely okay. summer. 
Favorite form of exercise? Uh, running or playing any ball sport. Okay. What was the best accounting or financial planning conference that you attended in August 2023? <laughs> Very good. I'd have to say Slipstream Connect, without a doubt. Very good. What are your top three activities on passing the time on the plane ride between Perth and the East Coast? Oh, his favourite three. Um, I'm a very boring answer is I generally do work. Okay, um, but I, I I love reading and and love podcasts. So it'd be the three of those, and, uh, and thinking as a fourth one. I just you know love looking out the window and thinking deeply about stuff. Yeah, nice. Okay. What's something that surprised you about financial planning firms? I would say just the absolute care that people have got in in their clients. You know, I've seen many other industries where it's very transactional, but yes. that, that's the bit that really pleasantly surprised me, that just the quality of the people and the care they have, um, which is, as I said before, similar to education in, in the types of people that are in financial planning businesses. Yeah, nice. Okay. Complete the following sentence. When it comes to investing in professional service firms, happiness is? Being around quality people, helping them achieve their aspirations, doing what they love. Nice. Other than in the Slipstream FM, what's your favourite podcast? Well, that's a, it's a very tough one. I, I listen to so many different podcasts. But I think my favourite at the moment would be the Founders podcast with David Senra. Okay. Like, Love finding mastery. I uh, love the Howie games. So, yeah, you did ask for one. I could give you about 10. Yeah. Right. Okay. That'd be the three. Nice. Okay. Well, I'll put details in the show notes. What's an expression you're renowned for? Wow. Um, got to think of the clean ones. So I'm renowned for <laughs> many, many dad jokes. Um, oh, one of the, our CFOs is I, I always say, gee, that's big. That's big. That's okay. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Do you think you'll live to see the day when there's a female president of the United States? Oh, absolutely. I would have liked to see that day when it was six years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't the world take a different turn? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm, we could, uh, without getting too political, if we could divert from having 80-plus-year-old <laughs> presidents into a, to an intelligent female president, that would be a great thing. Yeah, great. Richard, what's been the high watermark to date in your personal musical performances? Wow. There is not a high watermark. I, <laughs> yeah. Funny, I often get that answer. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, personal performances, even a karaoke effort, I couldn't couldn't point you to. Um, some some dodgy dancing, some, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Well, uh, just, yeah. just as well you're better at investing in financial uh, services firms. Yeah. Um, and finally, Richard, what's your go-to choice of fruit for lunch on a hot summer's day? Uh, I'm a yeah banana guy, so yeah, I was re recalled was re referred to as two bananas because I used to always bring the two bananas into work every day. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my go-to summer winter whenever. Very good, um, Richard. Thanks so much for your time today. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and and hopefully through this recording, uh, the message. Uh, that you're looking to convey in terms of, of assisting financial planning businesses uh, will hopefully get out there and, and result in, in, in good, good things to come. Thanks a lot, Scott. I really appreciate the, the discussion. Um, thank you. Well, that concludes my interview with Richard Hernan from Broadleaf Financial Services. During the discussion, Richard spoke about the role that he and his company play in the journey of the firms they invest in. I like the way he expressed it. More than a provider of capital solutions, it's about being a teammate. I'd expect there would be less thinking of oneself as the lonely long-distance runner if Richard was an investor in your business. I hope that this interview has prompted you to think more broadly, no pun intended, about your options with respect to an appropriate strategy for not just your exit, but also the longevity of your firm. Maybe, just maybe, there are alternatives other than seeking a straight one-for-one -one replacement 
where you're looking to wind back or conclude your involvement in the firm. I'll talk more about this in the Coach's Corner segment in just a moment. For sure, it's hard to argue against bringing some external rigour to a business with getting a shareholder agreement in place, but I really like the genuine innovation to tie this into the vision of the business. I also loved what he had to say about the reflective process he underwent to come up with his life's mission, which is to positively impact a million lives. It's this mission which is behind Broadleaf Financial Services and the same reason why he changed his entire working focus. I've put contact details of Richard in the accompanying show notes. You'll find that he's readily contactable through both the Broadleaf website and via LinkedIn. During the interview, Richard mentioned some podcasts that he enjoys. The Founders Podcast with David Senra, Learn from History's Greatest Entrepreneurs, Two, Finding Mastery with Dr. Michael Gervais. We help individuals and organisations unlock their potential at the intersection of high performance and well-being. Love that. <laughs> and then the Howie Games with Mark Howard, which is billed as Australia's number one sports podcast. Again, details are in the show notes. By the way, if you're interested in undergoing a structured process to discover your purpose in life, I've put details of Slipstream One Day Workshop, The Personal Breakaway, into the show notes. In today's Coach's Corner, I'd like to tell you about an exciting new Slipstream initiative that's been in the development hopper for a while. Like me, you might have used COVID as an opportunity to undertake some development projects. This would be to keep team members who otherwise had little client work to do productively engaged. In my case, I turned to then a newly employed Slipstream coach, Michael Spinks, a vastly experienced practitioner and the perfect person to enlist in the project I had in mind. That is, to provide practical guidance to practitioners in exiting their businesses and to usher in the next generation. As it turned out, Michael's such a good coach that he quickly got a full coaching caseload, which slowed proceedings. <laughs> but he and I persevered and here we are, ready to make this material available. What does this consist of, do you ask? Well, Michael and I have produced the following. Firstly, a detailed, practical, 50-plus page guide called Pathway to Succession and Exit, and a one-day intensive workshop to explore how to apply this wisdom in practice. Getting the picture? It's very big in applying real-world situations, maybe even to a need you have right now in your firm. Then, not content with this, We've done exactly the same for guiding employees to take equity in the firm where they work, i.e. a detailed, practical 50-page guide called Pathway to Equity and a one-day intensive workshop to explore how to apply this wisdom in practice. Keen followers of this podcast will be picking up that there's been a build-up to releasing this material. Firstly, the recent very popular episode on Pathway to Equity with Fiona Ettles, today's episode with Richard on expanding one's options on equity ownership, and then the upcoming episode with a banker who has extensive experience in lending to practitioners buying into professional service firms. Starting in February 2024, we'll be running these workshops for the Slipstream community and the wider accounting and financial planning market. It's an exciting time seeing all of this work come to fruition. The idea is that existing owners will first come to Pathway to Succession and Exit to get their ducks lined up. Then, six weeks later, they'll come along with their next generation owners, that is, current employees, to work through Pathway to Equity together. As you'll doubtless appreciate, it's beholden on the current owners to take the lead on such matters, gently guiding team members who, good as they are in their day job, 
are new to being business owners. I've put a link to the page on Slipstream's website where you can go for more information and to register. I've also put in contact details for Ryan DeVillers, who is Slipstream's Business Development Manager, if you'd like to talk further to somebody about this. Exciting times ahead. Oh yes, keep an eye out for the next episode of In the Slipstream FM, where I'll be interviewing Con Voltsis, who is ex-Macquarie, Commonwealth, ANZ and Judo Banks on getting finance to buy into a professional services firm. Maybe even yours. That's the end of our show today. I hope you got lots out of it. I'm really looking forward to this next episode with Con, so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast through all the usual media so you can get this coming through on your mobile device automatically. Music for today's episode is once again brought to us by Tim Lane. Thanks, Tim. Love your work. Until the next episode, onwards and upwards. We all have these choices about what we're gonna do. The simple fact is, it's always up to you. It was a long